0: Thank you for your worship. Go ahead and be seated. If you have your Bibles open to Revelation chapter 3, pull your notes out of your bulletin so you can follow along or fire up your Journey Church International app. Everything you see on our screens will be right in your handheld device. You can follow along. For those of you joining us online, Welcome a month from yesterday uh, I'm going to run the kansas city half marathon with a friend of mine that i've been training with for the last several weeks And that will leave me if you've ever run a half marathon 13.1 miles um, That will leave me one tenth of a mile short of my favorite spot in a long race And let me tell you why that is a few years ago about 10 years ago Um, I decided I was gonna start running and I decided I was gonna run the Chicago Marathon. My mom and dad lived just a few miles south of Chicago. I thought it'd be a good chance to see them and do something fun. Um, And it was one of the most exhilarating, life-giving, fun events that I have ever participated in, um, in my life, 40,000 runners for about a mile. Um, and then after a mile, um, I realized I still had 25.2 to go. And and the soundtrack in my mind, every mile after the first mile, when the fun um, kind of rubbed off, uh, every mile after that, my, my soundtrack to myself was, why are you doing this? This is so stupid. You're never going to get done. Why would anyone want to 26 miles, run 26 miles? I'm hot. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I mean, just on and on and on, all the way through the half mile, marathon point. I thought I should just turn around um, and quit. But when I got to mile 13.2, just past the halfway point, I realized I was running in a city that I was lost in. I didn't know where my parents or my wife was along the race course. And I realized at mile marker 13.2, that if I quit, it's gonna take me longer to get back to the starting line (laughs) than the finish line. So I I, I might as well finish. And it became my favorite point in the whole race because it was the point in the race where I thought, I have to finish now, or I'm I'm even a bigger idiot from running this because I'm going to run and walk more than a marathon if I go back. 13.2 was the place I knew you have to finish because you're closer to the finish line than the starting line. In Revelation chapter 3 today, we're going to read a letter from Jesus telling you to finish Your race, telling you to finish something spiritually that He's called you to. We're in a series called Letters from Jesus. We've been studying seven letters that Jesus is writing to His churches in Asia Minor 2,000 years ago that are also meant for us. We're studying the book of Revelation that we might see Jesus more clearly. We're studying the book of Revelation that we might understand our own lives spiritually a little bit better. And we're studying Revelation so we can receive the blessing that God wants to give us through the book of Revelation. We're in Revelation 3 today, the fifth letter. Written to a city called Sardis in ancient Asia Minor. Today, modern-day Western Turkey. Before we read Revelation chapter 3, would you just bow your heads with me quickly and close your eyes. And would you whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven. Would you just whisper this prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The high priest Eli taught Samuel, who he was apprenticing, that when God was speaking, he should just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And he should open his heart. So would you whisper from your heart to heaven, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then would you just open your heart for what God has to say. We're going to read today the word of God, not the words of Christian. We're going to read today from the Bible, not just listen to a sermon. So God, we pray you'd speak to us. We're listening. Tell us what you want to hear us to hear. Show us what you want us to see. Be with us as we learn today, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Revelation chapter 3 begins this way, verse 1, to the angel." Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have just heard what the Spirit said to the church in Sardis. Let me give you some quick background on Sardis. Sardis was the capital city of a very famous ancient kingdom, the Lydian kingdom, once home to a king named King Croesus, who was the richest king in the world. He is said to be the richest king that ever lived because they found gold in his kingdom. Sardis was known for the ancient gold mines that existed around and under the nearby Pactolus River. It has been said that in the days of King Croesus, if you would look at the river on a sunny day from the top of a hill, it would look like a river of gold, not a river of water, because there was so much gold just lying underneath the riverbed that you could go in and simply pick it up. Because of that, they were the first place in history that minted gold and silver coins. They had more than they needed, so they turned them into Currency and gave them away. They also claimed to be the first civilization that discovered how to dye wool. They could take white and make it blue or red or purple or whatever color they wanted to make it. And the church in Sardis that we're reading about today was most likely began under the revival led by the apostle Paul at Ephesus. We read in the book of Acts that Paul spent three years holding church services in Ephesus and all these churches that we've studied about. We've talked to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira. The next few weeks will be in Philadelphia and Laodicea. You could imagine if you came to Ephesus and lived in Sardis, less than a 50-mile journey to go back home, invite some friends over to your house, and say, let me tell you about this Jesus that I just heard about. Now, 40 years later, it was an entire church and Jesus is writing a letter to the church. And like every other letter that we've read, we want to know three things. As we read this letter, what do we learn about Jesus? As we read this letter, what do we learn about ourselves? And as we read this letter, what is the blessing that we can receive if we apply what we've learned? But I've added kind of some key questions within those themes. A few weeks ago in our small groups, I ask you to ask three key questions for every key point of the message. And the feedback I receive from our small group leaders and some of the people in small groups is that those were some of the best small groups they ever had because it was just people talking about their faith journey. Here's where I am. So in today's message, we're going to look at these three areas, but then I'm going to ask you to answer these key questions in your life that will come up as we roll through this message. Let's start in the first big area. What's revealed about Jesus? As we get into the text and we study about Jesus... Who is Jesus presented to the church at Sardis? Here's what we read in Revelation 3.1. It says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, if you have your pen, you might underline these, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God, that's a new phrase, and who holds the seven stars. Now, we read that Jesus holding the seven stars to the letter at Ephesus meant that Jesus has authority over the pastors who are leading here. But this is a brand new phrase that Jesus, go back, just one, that Jesus would hold the seven spirits of God, that's a brand new phrase that we haven't seen or learned yet. What does that mean, that Jesus holds the seven spirits of God? Here's what that means. That means that this phrase speaks to the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. This phrase, Jesus holding the seven spirits of God, speaks to a believer, a Christian, a believer in Jesus who is fully matured. What this is telling us is that one of jesus roles in the church jesus reveals himself to the church at sardis with this role He said I am the one who comes to make sure you're growing up spiritually Jesus said that's my job I am the one who comes into your life and who comes into your church I am the one in your life. Who's making sure that you are growing Spiritually, so today's first key question is pretty simple This is a yes. No answer today's first key question is this are you growing spiritually? Jesus is revealed as the one who comes to make sure we're growing spiritually. Today's key question, are you growing spiritually? You should be able to put a why or an N next to that question. Yes, you are. No, you're not. If your answer is, I don't know, it's probably no. Are you growing spiritually? Because here's what we're learning in the church at Sardis. Jesus' plan for you is not just conversion. It's complete maturity in your faith. Jesus' plan isn't for you just to become a Christian. It's to complete your maturity, to become more like Jesus, to grow up spiritually in your faith. So let me ask you again, are you growing spiritually or are you just a convert? I don't know if if you're like me when I was little, people used to buy me like bookmarks and Pieces of paper and calendars that had my name and and like the definition of my name. Do you all know like what your name means? My name is Christian, right? So every year at Christmas, somebody would get me some Christian bookmark that said Christian. And I would learn that a Christian is a, a follower of Christ. But one year, somebody got me something that defined it a little bit different. And it said a Christian is someone who's becoming like Jesus. Based on those definitions, if a Christian is a follower of Jesus, if a Christian is someone who's becoming like Jesus... Would you call yourself a Christian, or would you say, I've just been converted, but I, I don't know that I'm on my way to Christianity yet? Because the definition of the word Christian is not a believer in Jesus. James says that demons believe in Jesus, and demons are not Christians. So the definition of a Christian is not, I believe in Jesus. The definition of the word Christian is not somebody who's heard of Jesus. I have several Muslim friends who I talked to Jesus about. They've They've heard of Jesus, but Muslims are not Christians. Hearing about Jesus does not make you a, a Christian. A Christian is not somebody whose family follows Jesus. I have atheist and agnostic friends who, who, who grew up in Christian families. Atheist and agnostics would not even consider themselves Christians, even though their families are. So growing up in a family of Christians does not make you a Christian. And a Christian is not somebody who's just made a decision for Jesus. Jesus told us twice in the Sermon on the Mount that there will be people who make decisions who aren't really Christians. Some of them defined as rocky soil who just never really gets it. And some defined in Matthew 7 who just never really depart their life of sin. At some point, they've made a decision. Say, so, oh yeah, Jesus, that's for me. But they're not, they're not really followers of Jesus. They're not becoming like Jesus. So based on the definition, would you say that you're a Christian, one whose life is becoming like Jesus? Today's first key question is a good one. Are you growing Spiritually Does your life look more like jesus this year than it did last year? Does your life look more like jesus this september than it did last september? That's who jesus is presenting himself as he says when I come with the seven spirits He said i'm coming to see if you are growing in your faith and looking more like jesus This letter to sardis makes it clear that jesus helps us grow in our faith The apostle paul said he does it through his church The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says basically going to church and serving in church and being a part of church and using your gifts in the church. He said the whole purpose of church is to grow, is to help people grow in your faith. He said this in Ephesians 4, 14, 15. As we get engaged in church and using our gifts and serving and loving one another, he said then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching, not knowing what we believe. And by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, learning the Bible, even the hard parts like we did last week... We're going to grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, of Christ. Paul said, if you go to church, here's what should be happening in your life. You should be learning the truth in a way that makes you grow, become mature, and look more like Jesus. So is that happening? Is that happening in your faith journey? Is that happening in your church experience? Is that happening in your faith that as you follow Jesus, you're beginning to look more like Jesus? Paul said it's the job of the church. He taught that in his theology. I love the apostle Peter. He's much more simple. Peter's like, just do these things. Um, I I like talking about simple lists more than deep theology sometimes. I like when somebody needs me to do something to give me a list of five things that need to be done. The apostle Peter taught in lists, not in theology. And he talked about growing. He said, Jesus always brings a next step to your life. Wherever you are, there's another thing to add spiritually in your life. In 2 Peter 1, verses five through eight, he said, for this very reason, because you're supposed to be growing, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness. You have faith, all right, add Goodness. Uh, Now you have goodness, add to goodness knowledge. Okay, you're getting some knowledge, add to knowledge. Self-control, you're getting some self-control, add to self-control. Perseverance, you got some perseverance now, add to perseverance, godliness. You're becoming godly, add to godliness, mutual affection. You're becoming mutually affectionate, add to this love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two things we learn there from Peter. One, there's always a next step. God is always trying to help you grow wherever you are There's something else that can help you become more like jesus And if you don't continue to grow Peter said these two words are going to define you you're going to be ineffective and unproductive in your faith We have christians in our church who are not effective christians We have christians in our church who are not productive christians You say how do you know that because they had him in sardis And because peter talked to him in the first century every church has them who are they? Christians who are not still trying to grow and become more like Jesus. See, Jesus coming with the seven spirits means that Jesus brings an expectation of spiritual growth into our relationship with him. Jesus says, if you have started a relationship with me, you've just started it, but the race is long. Keep going. I have more for you than your day of salvation. Jesus brings an expectation of spiritual growth into our relationship with him. So today's first key question is this. Are you growing spiritually? Yes or no? Are you growing spiritually? I'm going to ask you to think about that and answer that this week in your small groups. That's what's revealed about Jesus. What's revealed about us Let's look at area number two. What's uncovered in our hearts as we study this about Jesus? Look at the second half of verse one through verse four. Jesus says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. One thing we need to see in the church of Sardis and maybe see it in our own lives as well. In the church at Sardis there was a gap between reputation and reality. There was a gap between spiritual reputation. Here's what people see. Spiritual reality. Here's what's really True. Jesus told the church at Sardis, you look like one thing on the outside, but you are something different on the inside. You've been able to make the world think you're Christians, but when I look at your life, you're not still growing to become more like Jesus. Your reputation is that you're alive. Your reality is that you're really dead. And Jesus said, here's how you've managed to pull it off. Here's how you've managed to make people think you're spiritually alive when in reality you're spiritually dead. Here's how you've done it. You've learned to soil your clothes. Now, in our context, in our language, that means something different, thank God, than it did back then. Because you say, all I have to do to make somebody think I'm spiritual is soil my clothes. No, that's not what it means in our context today. If somebody soiled their clothes, that would would be a mess. But that's not the word they're using in the original language for soil. In verse 4, Jesus said, people pulled off. Making people think they were one thing when in reality they were something else because they soiled their clothes. It's the Greek word melunio. It means to stain or to smear. That's what that word means. He said, you've been able to make people think you're one thing when in reality you're something different because you've learned to stain or smear your reputation. Remember what they were known for in Sardis? With the clothes? Anybody? Anybody? They could make white look blue They could make white look purple They could make white look red They could take something In its natural state And they could make it look Like something different And Jesus looked at this church of Sardis And he said in Sardis the reputation of the city Is becoming the reputation of the church You're able to take something Which on the inside Which naturally is one thing And you're able to make it look like something different on the outside and that's what you have done inside spiritually you're dead But you have learned how to dye your life You've learned how to color your life. You've learned how to flavor your schedule So that people look at you and they see blue, but I know it's white. They see red But I know it's white. They see what's on the outside, but jesus says I see what's on the inside They'd learned what they needed to do to look spiritual to the outside world even though they're inside nature Wasn't growing spiritually at all at all And sardis the reputation of the city had become the reputation of the church, but in christianity. It's different See in christianity The reputation of the christ is supposed to become the reputation of the christian Right the reputation of who jesus is is supposed to become the reputation of who we are It's interesting because this is also seen as a changing of garments not dying garments not not taking one thing and turning it into a different color, but literally taking, taking one off so you can put on something different. Some of you might remember my Jesus jacket from a series that I did earlier this year. A lot of people try to take Jesus and put him on over their life and make him fit to cover up everything else. But the Bible says you have to take off the old nature before you can put on the new nature. It's also kind of like changing garments. But in Christianity, the Christ... The Christians should be coming more like the Christ. Here's how Colossians 3 says it. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. In Christianity, the reputation of Jesus is supposed to become the reputation of the Christian. So when you think about big life events that have happened, it seems like there's always a kind of a weird story in the midst of a great story That you just always remember if you've been in kansas city the last five or six years And you've watched closely in 2014 and 2015 the kansas city royals made two Incredible runs to the world series. We lost in 14. We won in 15 most people who who follow sports Will never forget those moments But there are some weird moments in those that people will never forget either and one of them is this picture That i'm getting ready to show you in 2014 We won the wild card game, went on to go to the World Series, lose the World Series. In 2015, we actually won our division. First time we had ever won our division. And they were in the clubhouse celebrating and they had up all the plastic and they were spraying champagne bottles and they had the hats. And Joel Goldberg, who's kind of our on-field reporter, was interviewing players. And one of our left-handed pitchers, a starter by the name of Danny Duffy, came kind of walking over into the interview spot and he was wearing a bear suit. Like he's wearing this full-size bear suit on his head that's covering his whole body and as he walks up, Joel kinda laughed. He was at a loss for words and he says, um, Danny, what do you like what do you what do you have there? And Danny, like deadpanned without cracking a smile, said, It's a bear suit, Joel. Like like just like like just like simple. Like, what do you think? Like it's a bear suit, Joel. Like that actually became a t shirt that they passed out the next year. It's a bear suit, Joel, because it was like, what what else could it be? Colossians three Tells us that jesus should become so apparent in our life That he should look on us Like a bear suit looks on someone someone who hasn't seen us for a while After we've started walking with jesus should see us with something totally different on us and say What's the deal with your life and we should say it's a jesus suit joel like like it's so clear. It's like I'm, I'm i'm a christian now i'm wearing jesus now That's the thought of Colossians 3. That's the thought of our next steps. That's the thought of having a reputation of looking like Jesus. That is what Jesus is calling all of us to, to be seen as him, to be seen as people who wear Jesus suits. He's been calling us to that all along. But some of us have kind of started and stopped on our journey a little bit, which leads to today's second key question. This is the question Jesus was asking the church at Sardis. What spiritual growth step has Jesus clearly called you to that you committed to at one time, but you've not finished? Like this is the content of of the letter to the church at Sardis. Jesus is saying your next step is actually your last step because you haven't finished yet. You committed to do this. I told you to do this. You committed to it and you haven't done it. So your next step is actually your last step Because you haven't finished what I've called you to. Some of you have committed to read your Bibles this year. But then you stopped. Jesus, what's my next step? It's your last step. Read your Bibles. Some of you have committed to pray more this year. And then you stopped. You said, Jesus, what's my next step? And he said, it's your last step. I still want you to pray more. Some of you at one point in life made a commitment to read your Bible through entirely. Genesis to Revelation. Maybe you did it in high school. You haven't finished yet. Say, Jesus, what's my next step? He says, it's your last step. I still want you to get in the word and know me. Some of you committed to Jesus. He asked you to pray for a friend that you were going to reach out to and bring to church. And you say, Jesus, what is my next step? And he said, it's your last step. I'm still waiting on you. You told me you were going to do that. Some of you committed to start tithing. I'm going to start giving. And then you didn't. Some of you made a building pledge. God spoke to you to give something and then you didn't. Some of you committed to serving. You checked a form and said, it's time for me to get engaged helping. And then you didn't. And you're saying, Jesus, what's my next step? And he's saying, it's your last step. Some of you committed, parents, to start praying with your kids every day, to lead a devotional during the week, to do something to disciple your children. God spoke to you. You committed and then you didn't do it. So what's my next step? Jesus says, your last step. Some of you at some point made a commitment to stop smoking or chewing tobacco or doing things that were unhealthy for your body, but you never really followed through. Jesus, what's my next step? It's your last step. Some of you said, I need to quit cussing. I need to quit using such offensive language. I need to quit telling these poor stories or poor jokes. God spoke to me about that, but you haven't. What's my next step? It's your last step. Some of you committed to start listening to Christian music. Like, you get it, right? I don't have to keep listing hundreds. Like, you get it. At some point, God says, you need to grow up spiritually, do this. And you think... You're right I'll do it And then you don't And you say what's my next step? And jesus says your last step I already told you I told you last year. I told you last decade I told you your junior year at youth camp. I told you these were your next steps spiritually to become more like me Go pick up where you left off and start going again Look at what he tells the church in sardis in verse 2 He said wake up Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished. He didn't say not started. He said not finished. I spoke to you about this. You said, okay, you started then you stopped, you stalled. I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. How do we step up spiritually? When we've made a commitment we didn't follow through on, how do we step up spiritually and re-engage? God tells the church it's hardest three things. Number one, wake up, wake up. He's like trying to wake him up spiritually. Here's the, question God, here, here's the question I think God is asking. Did God speak to you about that area or not? Yes or no? Did, did God speak to you about something in your life that he wanted you to do to become more like him? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, wake up. Do it. God told you to. Secondly, strengthen what remains. What's that mean? It means just pick up where you left off. You said, I, can, I made a commitment to read all the way through my Bible. Great. How far did you get? Genesis 2. Okay, well, listen, you're one chapter down, man. Like pick up where you left off. Tonight is chapter two. You can do it. You can get through it, I promise. Pick up where you left off. You don't have to go back to the beginning, but pick up where you left off. Strengthen the little bit that you did. Start pressing into that again. And then number three, finish what you started. Finish what you started. And let me tell you why this is so important. Finish what you started because there is always a reason God asks you to take a next step. And here's why. God knows what you need for what's next. God would never ask you to do something that's not gonna help you six months from now. And every now and then we get six months from now and something happens in life and we say, God, I'm not ready for this. And God said, I tried. I told you to start doing this because I knew if you did this, this would happen. And I knew this was coming and I knew you'd be ready. If you just did what I ask you See god doesn't ask us to do what's now. He always prepares us for what's next He gives us what we need for what's next. So when god says this is a commitment. I need you to make God knows it's because next year when that thing's coming This will help you get through it And a lot of times we say god, I don't know how I can get through this and god says I tried to tell you I spoke so clearly to you You even said you heard me and said you were going to do it What's my next step? It's your last step. Go do it. God always knows what you need for what's next. It's why he says in Revelation 3.3, remember what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. If you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. God says, I'm telling you to do things that will get you ready to never be surprised for what happens in life, to never be unprepared. But if you will not do what I've asked you to do, Things are going to sneak up on you like a thief breaking into your house. And if you knew he was coming, you would have made sure to lock the door and stay up that night. I'm telling you, if you will do these things, you will be ready for what's coming. God always knows what we need for what's next. He wants you to be ready. And he always knows if we'll do these things, there is a blessing for us to receive. So let's look at that third area. What is the blessing we receive as we follow Jesus and we grow? Look at verses 5 and 6. He says, the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angel. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. It's two things that we should be aware of. He said, those who will follow Jesus and grow will be dressed in white. You say, what does that mean, dressed in white? It means this, that when a Christian truly lives in the fullness of the Spirit of God, they stand out. When a Christian fully lives in the fullness of God, they stand out. It's a Jesus suit, Joel. It's like, what is, why do you look so different? It's a G, like, I'm becoming like Jesus. That's what that means. Standing out dressed in white means that you, you look so much different than everyone else that everyone can tell who's with Jesus and who is not with Jesus. That happens as the Holy Spirit is ushered into your life and has more and more control of your life. It's why on Sunday, October 21, our next series following this one is called Supernatural, and it's all about capturing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know that we can put on a Jesus suit without understanding how to leverage the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us, that's been given to us by God, and understanding how we can begin to eat, breathe, live, sleep spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to connect to Jesus, and we're going to connect to his spirit, who he said would be better than having him with us every day. It's going to be an incredible series starting in October. You say, why is that important? Here's why it's important. Listen closely. He said, the one who is victorious will also be acknowledged before the Father in heaven. Here's what Jesus says. The one whose life acknowledges a connection to Jesus before others on earth will be acknowledged as connected to Jesus before God and the angels in heaven. I'm going to say this one more time. And I'm going to paint a little picture for you and ask you today's third key question. The one whose life acknowledges a connection to Jesus. Everyone knows you're connected to Jesus just because of the way you live. The one whose life acknowledges a connection to Jesus before others on earth will be acknowledged as connected to Jesus before God and the angels in heaven, which leads us to ask this third key question. Look at this question and think carefully on it. Okay, I'll break it down for you. If your heavenly acknowledgement from Jesus next week, here's a scenario. On the way home today, you die in some crazy, morbid way. I'm sorry, we'll do your funeral. On the way home today, you die. Here's the scenario we're presenting. And you wake up tomorrow in heaven. If your heavenly acknowledgement from Jesus next week was based on your earthly acknowledgement of Jesus last week, how strongly would you be acknowledged? Here's the scenario. Boom, we go to heaven tonight. We wake up tomorrow morning. And Jesus says, oh, happy Monday. I'm going to acknowledge you today on Monday like you acknowledged me last week on Monday. Would anyone be acknowledged on Monday in heaven? You go to bed again. You wake up, it's Tuesday. Just say, uh, good morning, happy Tuesday. I'm gonna acknowledge you today in heaven on Tuesday like you acknowledged me last week on earth on Tuesday. Are you acknowledged at all? You go to bed again. Boom, wake up Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. I'm gonna acknowledge you in heaven on Wednesday like you acknowledged me last Wednesday on earth. Are you acknowledged? You get the story, right? That's the picture Jesus is presenting. He said, the one who lives in the fullness of the spirit, the one who grows spiritually, the one who ends up looking so much like Jesus that they quit saying, hey, is that that Jesus with Christian? And they start saying, hey, is that Jesus? And they say, no, it's actually Christian. We we, We thought for a minute, because you look so much like Jesus, that maybe you were actually him. Jesus said, when people start mistaking me for you and you for me, You'll know you are living the life I want you to live. And it will be very easy for me in heaven to tell God that's the person everyone knew that person was with me on earth. I want everyone in heaven to know that person is with me. That's the third key question. How would you answer that? Do you acknowledge Jesus? Are you proud of him in your life? My son is 17. Several years ago, he was in third grade. I used to go take him lunch once a month if I could. I'd take him Subway. And then we'd go out on the playground and we would play kickball at Hawthorne Hill Elementary just up the street. And one of the times I took him subway, I've told this story before, he, he would always eat as fast as he could. I mean, just shovel down his food so he could get to the playground and play as soon as he could. And he ate his food real fast and he got out to the playground and he said, Dad, you have to come play kickball with us. The dads have started playing when they're here with their kids. And I said, okay. So we went out to play kickball and, you know, it's me and all these people that are like this big standing out there. Um, and at one point it was my turn to kick. And like I got up at the plate and all the kids took off running backwards, like running just like as far as they could, like I was Pele or Ronaldo or somebody who could kick a ball. And they're like running to the hills and Christian's like, that's my dad, that's my dad, back up. And I thought, oh Lord, please kick the ball good. And there was like this little, it was like a little girl who was a professional kickball pitcher, man. And like she pitched it and she put this crazy little spin on it. So as it's bouncing, it keeps getting further away from me. And I went to kick it and I almost missed And I kind of just dribbled a ball to someone who like wasn't even playing. She was like just turning in her skirt. And like the ball ended up at her. And like she caught it and flipped it to the first baseman. They called me out. And I looked over at Christian and he just went like this. (laughs) Next month, I took him lunch, took him subway. And he was eating like really, really slow. Like everyone else was like flying through their food to get out to the playground. And I was like, Don't you wanna hurry up to get out? And he's like, No, it's okay. Finally finished his food. We were like the last two left. I said, Are you gonna go out to recess? And he's like, Yeah. I said, Do you want me to go with you? And he said, It's okay, dad. Like, (laughs) you don't have to go. You're really bad at kickball, and it's kind of embarrassing. How many of you, Jesus, at some point last week, said, hey, you want me to go to work with you? And you said, that's okay. How many of you, Jesus, how many of you single adults, Jesus said, hey, I want to go out with you, you and your friends this week when you go out in the evenings? And you said, oh, that's okay. How many of you stepped into dinner with some extended family that don't love Jesus like you do. And Jesus said, hey, can I I come to dinner with you? And he said, that's okay. See, that's acknowledging Jesus. That's my dad. That's my Jesus. That's who I love. That's who's with me. Jesus says, people who acknowledge me on earth, I'm going to acknowledge in heaven. And I'm gonna give you next steps to grow on earth that will continually help you do this in life. You know, scripture speaks of your spiritual life as a a race worth finishing. And my hope is today that whatever spiritual step you're at today, my hope is that it's 13.2. My hope is that you're looking and thinking, okay, I know God called me to commit to this. And I'm probably closer to the finish than I am the start, so I might as well finish what God has called me to. As you contemplate finishing something maybe God has called you to, we can focus on Hebrews 12 together because it Helps give us a good picture of why we finish. The author of Hebrews says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. The Christian race is long. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Many, many days are hard. But I believe that everyone in here is closer to the end of their spiritual journey than to the beginning, and that the only answer is to keep moving forward. So let me ask you, what have you committed to at some point in your past, that Jesus said, this is your next step? You committed to it, but you didn't follow through, because I believe that's what Jesus is calling you to today, or maybe... You're brand new. You thought conversion was enough and you're realizing now Jesus wants way more than that. What is the next step he's calling you to today? Because if you can answer those questions and you can answer these three questions we talked about, you can understand what your next steps of growth are to make you look like you're wearing a Jesus suit that no one will be able to not see on you because your life has been transformed to look more like Jesus than you. Would you pray with me as we consider those questions?